Father Productions presents Inclusion We Digress. The best hour of your life, you'll never know. Hello, and welcome back to this episode of In Conclusion We Digress. Thank you guys so much for coming back and listening. Sorry again, it's been a little while since we last recorded, but happy to be back with you guys this week. And joining us as always are the other goons. So we'll start today with Michael's coming to us from Long Island. So Michael. Hey, what's up everybody? Uh, birthday. What's going on? Yeah. Coming uh, from Long Island, which is actually the first time I've recorded from Long Island. I know Kyle did a stint here, Dan's done a couple. So it's definitely nice to enjoy the silence that is the, what I would call the country comparative to the Upper East Side, which is a constant traffic jam. Also super excited for our little lunch recording. Um, now you don't have to hear my voice for an hour. It's only going to be like 35 minutes. <laughs> Thank God. Yes. Well, worth mentioning, we are recording this during our lunch hour on Tuesday, September 1st. So we figured we'd kind of take a shorter version of our normal podcast. Usually we record for about an hour and a half, two hours. And today we're going to keep it nice, short, and sweet. So definitely excited about that. Mm-hmm. And also, Ever one since- of our listeners, I will not be doing a birthday poem reading for Michael as he did for me. Sorry in advance. Oh, uh, <laughs> again, thank God. Why am I even here? <laughs> Welcome to the first also- half soup and salad version of In Conclusion. I <laughs> <laughs> also want to thank. Uh- Mike, ever, ever, ever since he said, enjoy the silence, now I have Depeche Mode stuck in my head um, from wow. Breakfast Club. Yeah. Well, we also have, yes, Pat and Kyle coming to us from the Upper East Side, as always. So, guys, what's going on with you two? It's September. Yeah. What, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about in, today. In, insert really bad uh, annual joke about waking me up on september ends which is really oh, billy joe armstrong said he wants to shoot for he wants to shoot for early 2021 he said don't wake me up when september ends just let him sleep until early 2021 mm-hmm. and then he said we can wake him up he said so that you're say we'll shoot people who keep saying that which i, I would, I would <laughs> yeah I, I mean that's not that far mm-hmm. off the mark and last and certainly not least we have carl coming to us from the magical land of hoboken new jersey so carl what's going on with you man magical not much, just uh, another busy day. Uh, pretty jealous of you and Mike that you have some peace and quiet on the island. They're developing an apartment building right across the street from me, so all I hear is them hammering uh, bolts for scaffolding. So it's driving me nuts. It's probably an illegal scaffolding. Uh, none of them are actually done right, if that's one thing I learned uh, about OSHA. Either that or they're just like busting people's balls. Oh, Maybe yeah. it's a little bit of both. That was that was our apartment. That was not Hoboken. That was the, there's no other word for it. Diphthongs driving down our block who decide that the largest truck needs to go down our block and can't just drive up five more motherfucking blocks to the two lane road, 86th Street, or couldn't have gone maybe too earlier on 79th Street. Um, it makes me very angry all the time, and it makes me want to throw things like it's people. Road. It's people who try to outsmart others, and then they're like, surprise! There's scaffolding construction going on in our street, which yep. is stifling all efforts to get through yeah i know most Everyone people don't sucks. know that in new york like they, used to, they always people always believe like the bell parkway and the um and the cross bronx are like the two worst roadways in new york but they little known fact that 80 the uh the 80s on the upper east side is one of the worst places for traffic 
That was so unnecessarily long. I, I'm, I'm making sure to mute myself uh, when I'm not speaking for this reason. I'm, I didn't, I, it, by the time it continued on, it was just impressive. So I just kind of let it go. Um, usually we don't have this problem at night. <laughs> well, honestly, this is a, a really good segue into what we're talking about today. So, as City bike. Really the, good city bike. Wow. <laughs> Basically, at this point, we're five, six months into the coronavirus pandemic. A lot has changed, a lot is going on in our world right now. But one of the interesting things that we've seen as part of the fallout of coronavirus, among other things, is a exodus from New York City. So a lot of people left New York City at the beginning of this because obviously New York City is a very densely populated area and people wanted to kind of spread out a little bit. But we've seen since then that there's people who have left New York City that aren't coming back. And that could be for a number of different reasons. But it poses the question that we've been seeing for the last couple of weeks now, is New York City on the decline or is it actually at the point where it's just dead? So we're going to jump in and talk about basically the state of New York City and wow, uh, how it's going to continue to develop as we move closer to a vaccine and, and move forward through uh, in the next few months uh, in terms of how people are going to respond to everything going on. So I want to kick off. Basically, how this whole conversation got started is there was a uh, article put out from the New York Post from a hedge fund manager and a New York City resident named James Ulcher, who basically posted the article that New York City is dead forever. And he basically touted the fact that everyone has left. A lot of people aren't coming back because of COVID and other reasons. But I want to hear everyone's thoughts. Do we think that New York City is actually dead do we think that it's going to come back like it has previously you know what, what are everyone's thoughts on kind of the state of how the city is right now i think new york city is in in a sense it's like kind of it's dying it's like a slow bleed uh right now i was reading some statistics and when we were preparing for this and it was basically just like two times as many people have filed change of address cards there's been like 250 plus thousand people that have left in the last few months which is significantly more and there's really been no inflow. Um, so I think that there is like a slow leak. The, the whole thing is that New York city will never die, which I think a lot of people are hanging on. The only thing that's kind of unprecedented, which, which really worries me about the situation. Um, it's just the last time something like this happened was 08. So we, we were pretty young. We didn't really have too much stake in the game on 08, but you kind of knew what was going on. Like 08, 09 economic crash, businesses moved out. People were losing their jobs left and right. Uh, but it, you know, it wasn't a situation that would keep people uh, cooped up inside. Like people were actively looking for new employment. I was kind of just like, hey, we have the technology to let you work from home. So we don't need you here necessarily. Like back then, yeah, businesses were losing, but they still needed to have an office. I think that's the biggest thing you're going to see now. So we're kind of basing everything that we know on what's happened in the past. And I don't know if that's accurate, which I think it's important that we talk about it now, just because, yeah, there's always oh, New York City dead or is it not dead? Like, we're looking at what we've seen in the past, the 70s, the 80s, the, the 2008, 2009 era, after 9-11, those kind of things. But we are at a completely different stage in the game than we are now. Carl, what were you going to say? Pretty much, I agree with Mike and what he's saying. But I also think that um, New York City is not going to be dead for too long. I think we're going to get a change of crowd coming into the city 
Um, there's uh, people that aren't as fortunate that we could just buy a house right away or we, we need time to get up on our feet, whether um, that's still in our parents' house, but no one really wants to stay with their parents forever. So I feel like the people that have been in the city- Speak for yourself. <laughs> the people that are in the city, they're going to start looking for other options because they don't need to be, uh, they're not working in the city anymore. They're working from home. So that would be like the only reason why they're staying there. So they're going to look for new places to move. And then people that um, are starting out, they want to move to the city so they have more options and then they'll find out what they can do and then eventually move again or something. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the real question. I think, you know, for me personally, I think obviously a big appeal of the city was, you know, number one, the opportunities that exist there, you know, from a, a job standpoint, like New York, historically before COVID was the center of business and, and art and everything uh, culturally in the United States. So the opportunities that New York provided for people was a huge reason people moved there. Obviously, beyond that, giving you easy access to go, you know, out at night, do things with your friends. Obviously, the transportation system makes it easily accessible to go to different parts of the city. Um, so there were obviously a lot of benefits to living in New York City before all this happened. But it brings up an interesting question. Now that, for the most part, everyone is working remotely, do the benefits of living in New York City outweigh the cons at this point to actually like stay there? with respect to COVID that has affected a number, it basically all boils down to affecting, you know, how much disposable income anyone has at a given time. And that affects all people of all um, hierarchical financial structures. You know, uh, I, I think Dan, you made a good point in that. Um, and I've been seeing this too, cause I, with my company, we work in commercial real estate um, and because of COVID, people are not seeking commercial, like for office space in New York City anymore, because it's been almost proven now that a lot of these companies can work remotely, right? So um, it's kind of affecting our business a little bit, but even irrespective of that, um, the whole appeal, part of the appeal, obviously you mentioned hanging out with friends and bars and, and stuff, which is more of a direct effect of the COVID. Obviously you don't wanna do that because you don't wanna um, come into close contact with people and maximize the spread. You know, also when it comes down to office space, like I, I live in New York because, you know, my commute was, was really quick. I would just take one subway down to, to Midtown. Um, now that I'm basically, you know, now that remote working is a thing, I, I don't have to do that. And I've, and I've started going back in the office every now and then. Um, I think, you know, a lot of my coworkers uh, have done the same, but, you know, it, it's time to kind of evaluate if, if working from home is a reliable long-term solution, obviously I work in construction, so there is a component of being on site, but you know, most of my work is done over the, over the computer. So um, I think it's a valid question, you know, for the, for the cost it takes to live in New York city, which is higher than most other regions, you know, is it worth the dollars per square foot, especially with, you know, rents going up because landlords are, some landlords are struggling. Kyle, I want to hear your thoughts on this question and whether or not you think New York City is dead and what the situation is with the city. Um, so I'm definitely of the Jerry Seinfeld mold. Um, no, it's not dead. No, it will never die and stop overreacting. <clears throat> Over the last 50 years, sorry, uh, sorry, not 50 years, uh, 70 years, New York's gone through a lot since 1950. 
end of story. Recessions, uh, you know, poor mayors, city being in a really bad way in the 70s. Okay, so over the last 70 years, there has only been 12 years of negative population growth, and it's never exceeded negative 0.39%. Um, certainly, the city's been through a lot. The 70s were a bad time. That was consistently negative population growth. But since then, uh, the only two years of negative population growth in New York City were 2019, which was 0.007%, and then 2020. So far, obviously, the data hasn't been updated, but from what I'm seeing is negative 0.01. I think the people that are leaving the city are people that were ready to leave. I think it's the people in their 30s with the kid and the dog who are like, yeah, fuck it, I guess it's time to go to suburbia. Tired of renting. Mortgages are really cheap right now. It is a good time to move out of the city if you're ready for it. But I think at the end of the day, people will always want to come here. It is the largest city in the United States by quite a large margin. It is New York to be an asshole? Like it just, it is what it is. You know, you know what you're getting when you, when you move here. Is it dirty? Is it grimy? Sometimes, yes. Are there a lot of homeless people? Yes. Are there a lot of crazy people? Yes. But at the end of the day, if you want to move to New York, this ain't stopping you. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I think while we might be working more remotely in the future, I definitely think that's going to be a thing you are still going to be going into an office to some extent in about 95% of jobs. I think that can't be undervalued. I think this is a temporary exodus for younger people and people that we might know that have family with houses close or, you know, maybe in the same time zone, you can afford to move away for a few months, move home, save some money, and then come back when the time is right. I don't think this is a permanent exodus. I think this is certainly going to be something the city has to come back from. But at the end of the day, to me, it's a blip on the radar because it's New York. And quite frankly, if you don't want to be here, good riddance. I was just going to make a quick, uh, quick point, Kyle, you're 100% right, that at some point, people are going to have to go back to the office because it's just not. Yes, working from home has its benefits for sure. But I know, like for me, for example, I just started a new job a couple weeks ago. I haven't met any of my coworkers. I don't feel like I have a relationship with any of my coworkers yet. You know, that's something that is really important to having long-term success at a position, you have to be able to actually meet with people in person, meet with your team in person. So that is something that, you know, will have to come back in some capacity, even if it is a mixture of remote and, uh, you know, being in person. But uh, Mike, what were you going to say? No, I wanted to, um, I kind of wanted to address some points. And I guess it starts, it'll bring it all the way back to Dan, you're talking about transportation. And like, that's a huge reason why we live where we live. Mm -hmm. uh, Pat too, talking about his commute. Um, so I think the biggest thing about the push to go back to the office that people aren't thinking about is the people that are actually making the decision. So maybe not like on a corporate level when you work for a corporation, but when you work for the small mom and pop shops, where are your bosses from? Your bosses are from Long Island. They're from Connecticut. They're from Westchester. Mostly. I would say, I'm not a perfect science, but most of them are from upstate or somewhere around there, right? Jersey. What's going on right now with the MTA, they want $12 billion. And if they don't get it, which is a possibility because I know very well the FTA and the federal government puts out a lot of money to keep that system afloat. And maybe they don't want to give more. Or maybe this is just the way the MTA wants to make some cuts that they already are. Um, so if they start running trains at less frequent times, they start running lines with less capacity. The people that are coming in to make the people that are going to make the decision for you to go back to your office are the same people that are going to be affected by those types of cuts. So no longer is it going to be feasible to live outside 
um, of. But say that doesn't happen even as a whole. Of the people that have left the city already, the couple hundred thousand, 65% of them have moved or more have like, it's like 65 to 70%. That's what they estimate have moved to somewhere in the surrounding area. So they have no reason to come back They're They know that they're going to be in the office one day a week, two days a week, and they can take a train ride or drive into whatever location. They're not moving across the country. There is a nice that, portion that's moving. That might not be worth a, a monthly train fare. Exactly. So you're going to get a reduction in the transportation, which means that the transportation is going to run less frequently, which means you're only going to have the need to be there one day a week. Like you're still always going to need an office, but now instead of needing five floors in a building, your office is going to, your building is going to, your company is going to need three floors or two floors in the building with rotating desk space and a couple of offices and conferences. It's going to completely revolutionize the way things are going. And to even go back, like Kyle said, over 70 years, a lot's happened. Yeah, but up until 10 years ago, which was when the last recession was, uh, internet bandwidths and Wi-Fi was like 3G. It was like three megabits per second, which you could never even run a video conference. You remember trying to Skype or Mac chat somebody 10 years ago and it was all grainy and it would cut out? Now we're having a conversation. And when we spent six months, that's the first three or four months. It's the only way we saw each other. And it was, sometimes it was like we were in the same room. So I think with the technology that we have and then just factoring everything that's going around, I think you're going to lose a lot of people. And then to address the fact of the matter that people are always going to want to come here. We've also removed the reason to come here. Say we close restaurants through the winter, indoor dining. There goes a lot of restaurants, 33% capacity museums. No one's traveling to come here to go to, to wait in a line for an hour to go to the Met. You don't have any Broadway that's done. Colleges are going online. So all the college kids like myself who went to school in New York city, aren't coming to the city. You're getting locked in a dorm room somewhere or you're doing virtual or you're not coming to school. So I think that it's going to be at least, you know, it's going to be a five-year blip. And it, there's a lot of deciding factors, but I think it's not looking good just from an outside perspective. Far and wide to say, I mean, you can agree and all the measurable statistics say that with everything going on and, and, the, and the change in society is my kind of more went in depth to. Um, it's a far cry from saying it's dead, obviously, um, because I think a lot of times, you know, when feeling pressure, and seeing a lot of change in places around you changing and seeing people move out places do sometimes change for the better and adapt. But I, I think it's, you know, I think every, everything that we've talked about, I think it's hard to deny that that is what's causing some people to leave, not just people who are, who are ready. Um, and the reason you look at that is on top of all the societal changes and with work, you know, people having less money in their pocket due to COVID and, and, and everything like that has led to, you know, rise in crime rates. You know, I don't know if you guys have the citizen app, but I feel like I get an update for someone getting stabbed almost every, <laughs> every few hours. Yeah. I think also a degree of it might be people feel a little bit less safe. That, that, that just might be another component of it. And you know what, that's not, and that's not to say that, you know, that's, this is the new norm now. I think there, as Kyle alluded to, there's been, you know, pockets of time where New York City uh, has was once the armpit of the universe, um, particularly during the 70s through probably the 90s. But, but yeah, that's, that's the only point I wanted to make. You know, we can, you can look at all the numbers and all the mm -hmm. statistics and all that fun shit, which I love. Um, but there, you know, New York is the X factor. New York and LA are horrible places to live, yet people always move there. It, it, it's just New York 
in and of itself, it's the energy. It's not just the restaurants, which will be back. It's not just Broadway, which will be back. It's not just, you know, the museums, which will be back. It's, there's, there's more to a city like this and, and like, a, like a London and a Paris and, you know, places that have been around for legitimately hundreds of years. So I think that the X factor is just kind of being played off because everyone's like, well, the statistics say the following things because that looks really good in a one-sided op-ed. And I think if you look at the argument to the contrary, i.e. Jerry Seinfeld's op-ed and other op-eds that have been published, there's no concrete reason because there's no concrete fucking reason you should move to New York. Are you out of your fucking mind? It's so expensive here. It smells in the summer. It's humid as fuck. Like th there are so many counters to moving here, yet people still move here in droves from every corner of the universe. I just think that can't be discounted. Yes, it's a blip. Yes, it's gonna suck for a little bit in terms of what the city is, but it will come back. Saying it's dead right now is like saying you got a splinter and that means it's terminal and you're going to die. It's like going on WebMD and saying everything tells you you have cancer and it's terminal. That's, you know, it's- I, I, wasn't, I wasn't making the argument that it was dead. I was just trying to no, provide no, a little bit I more know. evidence as to why the blip was occurring, not- No, no, um, I, I, I'm totally on your side. I agree with like mm -hmm. the, the facts and the figures, but you know, people that are saying this small blip because of these facts and figures means it's over are Looney Tunes and they should fucking leave because we don't, we don't need them. Well, I want to address Mike's point real quick because it, it is an important thing. I think it, it's undeniable that New York City is one of the top tourist attractions in the world. Like people come all the time to come to New York. Obviously, like Mike said, Broadway is a huge revenue driver. Restaurants are a huge revenue driver. The museums, like all of it. The fact that it has been shut down for this long and people haven't been able to travel has obviously created a huge deficit i know i think new york city is in like a nine billion dollar deficit right now for a number of reasons but i think the revenue from tourists uh, tourism is a huge reason that we're in such a huge hole so i wonder how quickly new york's gonna be able to recover from that while still also trying to keep people safe from the virus like it's it's a very tough you know i don't think there's a right answer one way or the other but I just, I don't know. I, I feel like the road to recovery is going to be a lot longer because of the landscape of the situation we're in. I think so also. And um, so I don't know if you guys heard, but there are uh, talks that um, the MTA, so I, to go to my parents, I take New Jersey Transit, which is MTA. They're talking about um, cutting some of their New York lines, which I go through Jersey to go to uh, New York. And um, one, we're already paying, we pay the most for tickets. It's like over $300 for a monthly pass. Um, we have uh, barely any express trains and it's like an hour, an hour, 15 minute ride from the city to my parents' house. And I feel like a lot of people that since they wanted to move there because of the convenience of traveling to the city, that they're gonna look for other options and um, they're not gonna wanna pay and because of all the limitations in the transit that it will take a long time to recover, like you said, Dan. Well, also, I mean, I, I know this is like, I don't know if this is the updated numbers, but I know as of July, in terms of people who are still in the city, I think rental apartments, they were up to 25, 26% vacancies. So 
not only are you losing money from not having the revenue from tourism, not having the revenue from transit, now obviously losing money from not having renters on the reg. I know lots of people have closed their offices. Again, I just, I question how New York City is going to make up all this deficit in the amount of time needed to keep New York City an attractive option for people to settle here. I mean, it's certainly going to be a process. I I also think that when you, you know, looking at how things are are going in terms of the country and, you know, and whatnot, work is, you know, doing a really good job. And I think that rebounding and and flattening the curve as quickly as we were able to as a collective probably saved two to three years worth of additional damage that was done. And I think really until the U.S. sort of gets everything under control and we're able to be, you know, more consistently at very low numbers, it's going to be hard for anybody to do well, especially the, like, basically the one fucking major city that's got its shit together. Right. Because, you know, I, I, I certainly acknowledge that we're going to lose a lot of commercial space in terms of offices, but also there have been more empty storefronts and commercial spaces in Manhattan than empty apartments for like the last five to 10 years. So that certainly has been a problem. It really has been a little bit overdeveloped in those ways. And, you know, it's going to take a while, but I, I just, uh, I just so don't doubt that the city is going to bounce back. You know, I, it's to me, it doesn't, it doesn't seem possible that it wouldn't. Well, I, I wonder too, I mean, back to Mike's point before about even like restaurants and stuff. I know that uh, in July, I think I have to double check the number again, but I think it was like 78% of restaurant owners weren't able to pay their full rent. So I wonder if for that particular area as well, I know um, Mayor de Blasio is saying that they're not having indoor dining anytime soon, that they're going to be shutting down outdoor dining at some point. So it's going to be back to where we were in like March, where it's literally just takeout only. You know, I, I hope that a lot of these restaurants are able to sustain that because there's so many, you know, iconic restaurants in the city. I just don't know if even when they have outdoor dining, that they're not able to pay full rent, if they're going to be able to keep that up through the winter months until we get back to a time where we can have outdoor dining again. I think that here's the, the reality of the situation. A lot of these businesses can't pay rent, which is horrible. Mm -hmm. But the further reality of that situation is if they can't make their rent, and landlords aren't willing to work with these people and they evict them, the landlords aren't making money. Right. It's going to come to a point where there will need to be a mutual understanding of, well, we both got fucked. Let's just break even. And I think that that is a really practical solution that no one is thinking about because everyone just wants to overblow the drama of it all. But that is what's going to happen or landlords are going to go bankrupt. Well, not all landlords are, you know, these, Evils multi-millionaires kind of and multi-billionaires. There are people who have one or two properties um, who need the rent, who need that rent to break even. You know, there's a lot of investment in, in, in involved, and people aren't going to continue invest, to invest if it means that they're not uh, going to receive the payment that's going to them. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, though. True, but if they don't break even and make a deal, then they don't make any money going forward. Yeah, but no as soon as they, to, that, I'm the saying, I'm saying going forward, then they won't invest in property. As soon as they end the protections and you miss rent, they scoop up your security deposit and kick you out. But who's going to move in? But they're looking at the short term. They got to cover whatever losses they have. They're definitely not only looking at the short term because they do understand that if they kick all these people out, no one can afford to move back in. You need to keep your tenants or else the future revenue that you are going to realize that's on your books, that's in your projections is zero. 
Well, that's the thing. I wonder if not even just like commercial real estate, but just everything, if there's going to be a major correction almost where obviously the prices are so high for everything, if they're going to have to scale everything back in order to try and, you know, work their way back to where they were. Cause yeah, to your point, Kyle, there's not going to be anyone who's going to want to come in. If you evict, you know, a restaurant who is not able to pay full rent, why is someone going to then come in and say, Oh, I want to pay this massively high price for a restaurant that's basically not even turning a profit because we can only do takeout dining. Like that's not, not sustainable. I think another big issue for the landlords too, is that unlike with apartments, there's no rent stabilization or rent control. And there's also no cap on how much you can increase the rent on somebody's apartment or on somebody's um, commercial space. So knowing New York city landlords, if they aren't practical and they don't break the fuck even and deal with it and lose a little money this year and be happy that they still have what they have and they have their tenants going forward, they're going to jack up the prices because they are, because that's how these people operate. And then they're really going to be fucked. They're not going to come down on rent. That isn't going to happen for commercial spaces. Maybe they'll keep it the same, but a lot of these places are 20 year leases. Right. And they're just begging to blow the rent through the roof right now. And that's the issue. I think that that's going to happen. So um, one thing I just wanted to, I was kind of just thinking about this as we were talking um, and everything having to do with rents and like rent fixing everything. And this made me think about maybe New York city needs to die air quotes um, on New York city because it needs the, it needs this correction that you guys are speaking of, right? Like New York city needs to just, needs to have its worst year or two years ever because it'll make rent affordable again. It'll fix the commercial real estate problems that we have in this, the, especially for restaurants and whatnot. It'll bring people back in, but it'll also allow companies that are historically centered around New York to kind of broaden their horizons a little bit. You know, you said before, Kyle, that New York has an X factor. The X factor is that the medium income, the median income for most people starting a job in New York is significantly higher than that same job anywhere outside of a few other small cities, Chicago, Bay Area, places like that. I don't want necessarily maybe in the future my kid to feel like they're, they're pigeonholed into coming here because they want to make a good amount of money to pay off what will probably be an exponentially insane uh, student debt that they may have at some point in the future. So I think that we've been shackled to New York City and people have just been like, oh, the nightlife's great. There's nightlife everywhere. But maybe those things can move and people can explore other areas. I know Dan and I have talked about it a few times. We have a lot of friends who have moved all over the place. I had friends who said, hey, I'm gonna, I, I might take a short-term lease somewhere down south and just see if I like it because people don't know. They're just like, oh, well, I graduated college, got to move to New York City, got to get that nearly – you know, high five to close to six figure job because that's the only place. But there is a lot of other places out there. And I think that maybe the death air quotes on that, because like we, no matter what we say, New York is going to always survive in some way. It's a, it's a cockroach just like it's infestation, but like it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it might be good for other places, up and coming cities, the Carolinas, Texas, uh, Colorado, these cities that are starting to, people are starting to move to, and you're like, hey, I have a lot of friends that live XYZ, Denver, Colorado, just as an example. So many people I know have moved there, and maybe the salaries and the companies will, maybe that'll catch up because it'll be like, hey, we can do the same kind of work elsewhere, and you don't need to necessarily be there because the money isn't that far off, and the cost of living is significantly lower. I don't know, that's just my 
my kind of taking a silver lining out of if New York City is dying. Yeah. Well, again, it all comes down to opportunities, obviously things at your disposal, and you'd be hard-pressed to find another city in the United States that has or has had the centralization of major businesses, culture, nightlife, everything. Like You have everything in the city, and that's what makes it so attractive. But again, to your point, Mike, like people have shown, if you're working remote, that you have the ability, for the most part, to do your job whether it's home or somewhere else um, that you would be doing in New York anyway. So that creates kind of a conflict there. Like, Oh, well, if I can be doing the same work in a place that's cheaper, I can save so much more money. You know, obviously nightlife and stuff is still closed. Restaurants are not what they were. Like there's, there's so many like little side things that factor into that decision, but I don't know for someone who's been a lifelong New Yorker too. I, I want to see it come back because I love the city so much. And I think there's so much that, can be done here and you know so many just good things about the city but i don't know i just think the the cracks have been forming for a while and like you said mike i think there's just gonna have to be at some point a fall off of sorts that kind of corrects everything i said there's a certain amount of personal bias too as we get older our desire to stay in a city that's this congested is, is goes goes down and down um not only because we're being you know in my opinion overly taxed but um it's just a congestion issue and it's almost like a mental to me it's like a mental health issue where um you know as people continue to to age yes like uh salaries will marginally increase depending on what field you're in but um yeah when people start and this goes back to what we were talking about initially when people start getting older and you know getting married having families this isn't really the greatest place to do that um but i mean obviously people do it and, and like it you know but I don't know. For me, for example, I would rather a more suburban type lifestyle. And that, and that, and that's, and those are thought thought processes that a lot of people share. I also think that people are at a younger age getting that mentality um, because people are starting to get really into outdoor activities. Um, just going this weekend, I had to go to a Dick Sporting Goods, and it was one of those Dick Sporting Goods field and stream. So that's like their hunting, fishing, outdoor life brand. Um, this is a massive store. Like it's the size of a super Walmart, half dick sporting goods. I have never seen just a place so wiped out in my life. The lines to get, you know, a hunting license were around the corner. Um, there was not a single canoe on the racks. Those are thousands of dollars. And we asked the guys, we're like, hey, what's going on? Is it just like a matter of uh, you know, you guys not getting supply. And they were like, no, as soon as we get things, it's like a text message goes out and people buy everything that we have. He's like, whether that be, you know, shooting sports or that be just outdoor sports, this is like, it's just a new hobby. We don't have bars and restaurants to go to all the time. We don't have nightlife. We don't have anything else. So people are like, there's other shit to do. So I think that you're seeing a lot of young people and it's all young people. I've never seen so many young, I, I you know, I'm a hunter. I've never seen so many young people on a line to get a hunting license in my life. It's just like kids, 20 year olds, people that have never done it before. It was a 25 person long line. And that might be a byproduct, not even just a COVID just because of technology in general that a COVID may have, uh, has exacerbated the, the, the focus on screens and, um, technology and people are starting to get a little bit, it kind of adds to the stress a little bit, I think. And, you know, that might be a little bit of a 
cry out to say, or to say like, hey, we're not upset. We're, we can't be obsessed with certain devices and, um, and all this technology, as helpful as it is. And trust me, it, it definitely is. But um, I, I think that that could be a byproduct of that, not just of, not just from COVID. The only point to contend there is um, our generation is notoriously flaky. How long are people going to stick with these things? Are they just trying it because they now have, I'm not even going to say the time because they're literally forced to try the thing. Um, not saying that, you know, there's, there's a chance that a lot of it will stick and, and that's good. And, you know, I hope it does. Uh, people should get the fuck out of their apartments a little bit more often, but also um, I, it's just like, I don't see everyone radically changing their life this quickly because the second that the things that they initially loved come back, they will still want to do those things while maybe interspersing other activities. That's my only like asterisk that I would put on all of that. And I know that the numbers say that people are buying these things in overwhelming quantities and whatnot, but you know, at the end of the day, how, what is the level of commitment and how many of these things are going to be on Facebook marketplace in 12 months? I mean, it's a, it's a fair point. I think um, if, if things don't completely get back to normal and you know, it's been what, six months now, if, if it's not another year, people might make these decisions and be situated elsewhere. And that might be the end of it already. There's no, time to come back. <laughs> well, I think we're coming towards the end of our lunch hour here. So I want to get an answer from everybody on this question. So do you think, yes or no, New York City is dead, not going to be able to make a comeback after all this? So Mike, let's start with you. What do you, what do you think? Yes or no? Yes, I think it's dead. But here, listen to my point. I think New York City is a cat and it's got nine lives and we've used like three of them already. This might be our fourth. You still have plenty in New York city left. And like Kyle said, there's always going to be an X factor here. There's always going to be a reason to live here. I just think that after all this, people are going to have more options, which I, I do like. I like the idea that people are going to have more options. Kyle, what do you think? No, it's not dead. It will come back. That's all I'll say on it. Because yeah, I'm, I'm the X Factor guy. That's what it is. Uh, you know, people have always had the options. They were just too stupid to take them. Okay, fair enough. But Pat, what do you think? Uh, probably not. No. Um, I think places went under the gun. Uh, I think this is, I think we've seen this, that there's evidence across the board for a lot of major cities when they're forced to adapt and change for the better. Um, I think, I think they can and they will. Okay. Mm -hmm. Although in the short term, I would say it's not looking good within the next couple, a uh, couple years, but it's all gradual. Yeah. Nothing happens overnight. Carl, what about you? Um, I think it will bounce back because of how iconic New York City is. Um, we have countries all over the world that wake up at crazy times just to be able to trade on our stock market and stuff like that. So I always think there's gonna be attraction to New York City and um, yeah, we're gonna be hurting for a while, but there's always gonna be something around the corner that will happen or develop that will bring the attraction back and continue to make people wanna move here. So I actually agree with you. I think that the uh... 
the answer in the short term, like Pat said, is yes. I think that the New York City that we know previously in love, I think that is gone. But I think to Kyle's point, we've shown an, a tremendous amount of resiliency over the last 70 years to bounce back from things, you know, from being a crime-ridden city in the 70s and 9-11 and financial crises and everything. New York has always bounced back. So I think that the city that we knew previously is dead, but I do think it will come back in some capacity and create a new generation of people who want to come here and create new opportunities for themselves. So I think it's a combination of yes and no in that sense. But I think that'll wrap things up for our little lunchtime discussion here. We'll give everybody, even though it's a shorter episode, the chance to do our closing statements as always. So everyone has that one line to wrap up our discussion. So we'll go in the same order again. We'll start uh, with Mike today. Uh, this was fun, guys. Actually, didn't turn out to be as short as we thought it was going to be, uh, <laughs> but a lot of fun. And I kind of want to do this again in a few months once things start to reopen to see whether or not we had some cold takes. Like, really, I want to see a full 12-month rent cycle and see what happens after a full 12 months of this. And we'll just see what happens. Yeah. For sure. We'll post it to uh, freezing cold takes on Twitter uh, <laughs> if there are any particularly bad ones. Honestly, goals. Mm -hmm. Well, I think quickly at that point, I think I hope that we're all wrong. As a, I hope that New York comes back strong. I hope that you know New York is is what it was. I just you know I don't know if everyone sees that it's going to be that way. But regardless. No, I, I don't want New York to be like someone who like, you know, like a, a bad relationship that keeps crawling back. Oh, things have changed. Like, I, I hope that it changes. That's kind of, none, none of us here want New York to die. Even me, who's like the most pessimistic about it, but we want New York city to like develop, to change better rent prices, more opportunity. Landlords need to work with people. Government's got to work with people. So that's what we want. Like we'll all be clear about that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, what's your, your closing statement? Mike, five minutes earlier. I hope it fails. <laughs> <laughs> Some men just want to watch the world burn. Verbal meme. Um, how do I close this? I really don't see a place in which it dies. My parents both lived in the city for a couple decades and through the shitty parts and up into the 90s and worked here for decades and decades. And people keep coming back, like I said. And there will be changes for the better because it won't be able to survive without those changes for the better. So we'll see. And until then, I mean, I'm a New Yorker until I die. So there's nothing, ain't nothing going to change that. Pat, uh, what about you? I mean, nothing I really didn't that deviates from my final assessment, you know, a minute or two ago. Um, definitely don't plan on living here forever, regardless of how much I, I love it or don't love it. I think it's just a, you know, there are definitely some people who, who live here, um, for life, I would say the natural progression of things um, typically is not the case. And, you know, people move either to the suburbs or whatever, but um, yeah, do what makes you happy. Do you though? That was, that was very nice. Do you? It's good. <laughs> Even though we have no idea what really makes us happy at the end of the day. <laughs> no. that, that's a whole, whole other thing for another episode. <laughs> but Carl, closing statement. This was fun doing this at launch. It was a nice distraction from uh, working on the computer all alone. But um, my lease is actually up next month. So I'm kind of nervous to hope that uh, my landlord doesn't try to pull anything and jack up the price. So we'll see about that. I think you should just offer a plant in exchange for uh, 
keeping the rent stabilized. I think they'll go for that. Just give them like a nice <laughs> potted plant of some sort. Yeah, one one uh, plant a month, and that should cover our expenses. There you go. That's, that covers the raise. Well, for me, quickly, I, I enjoyed this as well. It's nice to, again, have a little bit of a break in the day. I think I'm actually going to keep the same closing statement as I had a couple weeks ago. I think we're still seeing a lot of the same things happening in our world. And just reminder, everyone, just be kind to each other, listen to each other. You know, let's all try and really come together if we can and, and be there to support one another in these challenging times. So that'll wrap things up for this lunch hour episode of In Conclusion, We Digress. So as always, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow us on social media, interact with us, chat with us, let us know what you want us to talk about. And until the next time, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Sponsor Mike's OnlyFans, this week, uh, we fuck the landlords. Peace out. Yeah. <laughs>